0: worshiping our lord and savior jesus christ amen and i'll be exciting to build in the house of the lord the fellowship and the, to gather together with other saints of god um tonight i want to preach to you and i want to ask that you pray for me tonight i know that you always do but tonight i'm preaching a message out of the uh first kings chapter 17 18 and 19 tonight i'm three, uh, preaching three chapters of the Bible. And uh, the way that you have to preach this message is more of a narrative style. Uh, you don't write down a whole lot of notes. Matter of fact, I don't really have any notes. I'm just preaching out of the Bible. And uh, it's the first time I've ever done this. Uh, so just pray for me. But if I had to title this message, it would be called It Is Enough. It is enough. And if I, can, if I could uh, think that something that we've all said together in some point in time of our life is, it is enough, or I've had enough. No one, no one in this room, nor in this country, or in this world that's alive is immune to discouragement. I believe discouragement is something that we deal with all the time as pastors. As ladies and men of God, as children of God, as, as teachers, as, as businessmen, and, and as whatever it may be, we deal with some form of discouragement, right? Because we know that everything that God gives us is courage and strength. And so if you've ever uh, have that courage taken away, that discouragement, it comes from three sources, either yourself or the world or Satan. He wants to remove all the joy and the courage out of your life. And so that's what he wants to do to a Christian. But tonight we're going to read about a man named Elijah. He's a mighty man of God. He was was a prophet of God. His name literally means my God is Jehovah. Listen, if you had to this is one definition of Elijah, the unflinching champion of the theocracy that reigns in the adulterous king Ahab. The unflinching champion. This man was raised up to challenge people. This man was raised up to go toe-to-toe with anybody that was against God. This man was a mighty man of God. And we're going to read about his story in, uh, here in just a minute. He was used in a time when it was he was really needed. Israel was turning uh, to, to worship false gods because of their wicked king, King Ahab. A time when the nation of Israel was going dark and wicked. Elijah, a man of courage, was raised up. And tonight, we're going to kind of unpack these three chapters. We're going to read about Elijah. But if you have your Bibles, if you have your copy of God's Word, please, and I hope you do, turn to chapter First uh, uh, Kings, chapter nineteen, verse four, and stand with me, please. I think it's a blessing to be able to stand and honor the Word of God as we read it. And if you have it, say Amen, Amen. amen. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat down under a juniper tree, and he requested for himself that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, O Lord, take my life, for I am not better than my father's. Lord, we come to you tonight. God, we ask the request, Lord, that you would bless the reading of your word. God, we ask that you would bless the hearers of your word. And God, I ask that you you would use me in this moment, but more than anything, God, I pray that in this moment that you would be the star of the story. God, I pray that you would be the hero tonight. Lord, not, not anybody else. God, I pray that your name is uh, above all and lifted up above all and that you would draw all men unto you, Father God. I pray that tonight that the glory and the focus and our gaze and our attention would be turned to nowhere else but to you, God. I pray that you would honor it, and God, we will be obedient, and we love you for what you have done in our lives. God, we love you for what you're doing, and God, we're you. We love you and, and we 're so thankful and humble for what you 're going to do god you 're worthy of all of our praise, honor, and glory. We ask this in jesus name amen, amen. listen, go back to first Kings chapter seventeen listen the scripture's not going to uh be on the uh, on the um, on the wall. So hopefully you have your Bibles and we're just going to kind of read through this starting in chapter 17. It says, Elijah, the Tishbite, who was one of the inhibitors of Gilead, said unto Ahab, as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall be no dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto Elijah. Now in James chapter seven verse, uh, chapter five verse 17, this is what it says. Elijah was a man, subject like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months. So Elijah prayed for this drought. Okay, Elijah prayed for no rain. But notice it says right here, it says, there shall be no dew nor rain. Now, if y'all notice, it's been quite dry, right? My grass is a little, it's, it's crunchy. But when I wake up in the morning, I still have dew on my car. I mean, there is no dew. I'm talking about this, 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 is, it's dry. So he prayed for this, and listen, and the word of the Lord came unto Elijah, uh, came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, turn thee eastward, and hide thyself in the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And that shall be that, I, uh, that thou shalt drink of the brook that I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. Listen, so he went, and I did according to the word of the Lord. And he went and dwelt in the brook Cherith that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. Listen, I don't know if you realize this, but raven, they like to eat meat. And I don't know if you realize this too, but raven is an unclean bird. All right? So don't tell me God can't use unclean things, amen? Amen. Listen, so this raven, so God told Elijah, the Lord told Elijah, he said, you you, you told Ahab about the drought. Now I'm going to take you over here. I'm going to hide you by the brook, Cherith, and a raven is going to bring you meat and bread morning and evening. So Elijah, if you know about Elijah, he was a man that lived solely off God's provisions, okay? Listen, Elijah, everything that happened in, Elijah was, in Elijah's life was purely a miracle of God. He provided everything that he needed, but it was moment by moment by moment by moment and listen the Lord told Elijah where to go and when to go and so Elijah just listened to the Lord and he went and then God provided provision for him so here he is at the brook chair that was by the Jordan and there's these raven can you imagine a raven bringing you bread and meat in the morning and in the evening only God can instruct the creation to do something like that amen and so listen, this is the kind of God that we're dealing with. So now he's there, he's being fed by the ravens, and he's drinking out of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land, right? So if there's no rain, the creeks and the rivers and the lakes will eventually dry up, all right? So listen, in verse 8 it says, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee the Zarephath, which belonged to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow woman there to sustain thee. So listen, what's happening is is God provides his next move. And when his next move is going to have heavenly provision that God's going to provide. Right? So sometimes we find ourselves, what, worrying about tomorrow, right? We find ourselves worrying about next week's or the assignments or the deadlines. But listen, they haven't even got here yet. Listen, we need to deal with what we have today and deal with the moment that we have now and deal with the manner that God has given us today because we might not even be here tomorrow. And so here Elijah is telling, God is telling Elijah, you need to go somewhere else now. And guess what? I'm going to sustain you when you get there too. I took you to the brook chairs and now I'm going to take you to Zarephath and there's a widow woman that's going to sustain you there. And so we go on in verse nine, and rise. Uh, excuse me, verse ten. And he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow woman was there gathering sticks. And he called her and said, "Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink." Listen to what. Uh, um, and, and as she was going to fetch it, he called her and said, "Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread." So he's like, "Hey, would you give me some water?" And she's like, "Sure." Oh, oh, wait, 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 wait. Boy, wait a minute. Can you bring me some bread too? I'm kind of hungry. Can you you bring me some of that bread, too? When you go get the water, will you bring me some of that bread, too? And listen to what she says right here. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but a handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks, that I may go in and dress it for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. Wait, 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 wait. So God told a widow woman who had hardly anything left who was fixing to go prepare a meal for her and her son they were going to dress it out eat the meal and they were going to die so that's the woman that he that, that God told to sustain Elijah she didn't have anything well let me tell you something how do you know man, who knows that God will use a circumstance to bless more than you amen God will use a situation to bless just more than you God can turn a situation and bless people all around you so guess what this lady here I think she needed a blessing maybe her faith needed be strengthened maybe she needed something else we don't know but Elijah was going to come across her path and something great was going to happen right here right so listen to what happens she says well I'm fixing to go dress this out I'm fixing to make this stuff and I'm fixing to die me and my son are fixing to die can you imagine can you imagine someone telling you that you just told him to go get you some bread and you told him to go get you some water now they just looked at you and said well I don't really don't have nothing else I'm fixing to go make this and me and my son are going to die Let's read on. And Elijah said unto her, fear not. He said, fear not. Go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me, and after make thee for thee and for thy son. So Elijah said, don't don't, don't worry. Don't worry, ma'am. Just do what I said. Do what I said. Everything's gonna be all right. Don't 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 fear, don't worry, don't fret. Just go make the cake, but make me one first and everything else is gonna be all right. And thus says, for thus says the Lord God of Israel, the barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail unto the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. So here he is prophesying this lady. He said, "Look, if you do this, God's already told me He's going to sustain me. So if you do this, you're going to have more than enough." Amen. All through these three chapters right here, we read that God works not only abundantly, but He exceeds everything that you may think or ask. Amen. He goes way above, and so He's telling this lady, "If you do this, the cruise of oil and the meal will not fail." As we We read on, and and she went and did according to the saying of Elijah and said, uh, and she and he and her house did eat many days, and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail according to the word of the Lord, which spake by Elijah. So she did what Elijah said, and now the Bible says that they ate for many days. There was plentiful of food left, right? She was obedient unto Elijah. Elijah was obedient unto the Lord. She got a blessing out of it. Elijah got a blessing out of it, and everything's great. Elijah is this great hero, man. He come into Zarephath. He met the widow woman, and man, this thing just turned out to be excellent, right? Everything's great. Everybody, everything is going good. Elijah, man, she, everybody's got something to eat. Listen, it is great. He is the hero until, listen, in verse 17, And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, that the mistress of the house, fell sick. And the sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. Wait a minute. And so all of a sudden, they have all this stuff to eat, and they, they're eating for many days, and everything's great, and all of a sudden, boom! Her son dies. He gets sick, and he dies. And so you see her countenance. You see her demeanor change. You see her attitude change about everything. Yes, God provided the meal and the stuff, but was that enough? See, God will always go above what we may think, may, may need to take more. So you see her attitude change in verse 18. And she said unto Elijah, what have I to do with thee? And listen right here, look closely. O thou man of God. It was kind of like a, what have I to do with thee, man of God? You know what I'm saying? Like a, you picked up on that right there, the question, like kind of really question him. Are you really a man of God? Are you really a man of God? Now my son is, I told you, I told you that we were going to eat and die. And now we do all this and now he's still dead. Are you really a man of God? And listen to what she says. Thou art come uh, unto me to call my sin into remembrance and to slay my son. Have you come all this way to Zarephath? Have Have you come into this city just to call out my sin? We don't know what she did in the past, but maybe she did some things she wasn't supposed to, and she knows she did those things. Are you bringing up my past, and now is this a punishment for my sins in the past? Have you taken my son? Can you see her countenance change? Can you, can you can all go with me there for a minute as Elijah is talking to this lady and he's telling these ladies these things and all of a sudden her son dies and now she's looking at him like, oh, are you here just to slay my son? What's going on? She's kind of puzzled. Elijah did only what he knew to do. In verse 19, he said to her, give me the son. And he looked at him, they took him out of the bosom and, and carried him up into a loft where he abode and laid him on his own bed. And listen, we hear Elijah, we, we, we see Elijah's countenance change right here too. Listen, and he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, hast thou brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son? Listen, he's asking God a question. Did you bring this evil upon her? Did you do this for her for some reason? And sometimes we may find ourselves questioning God. Asking God's question. And listen, in Psalm 77, Asaph, if you get to the middle of the Psalms in Psalm 77, Asaph, he begins to question God, have you left me? Have you gone away from me? Have you done all these things to me? But if you go back and read Psalm 77, at the end, he begins to talk about the redemption. And what they had at the time was the Red Cross. I mean, not the Red Cross, but the Red Sea. And he begins to talk about the great waters and how God redeemed them out of the waters. And he went back to that and it restored his joy. But therefore, moment, Asaph was asking God, God, did you go for me? Did you leave me? But he went back to the Red Sea. Amen. But sometimes we need to find ourselves when we're asking questions and we're asking these things going back to the finished work on the cross of Calvary. Yeah. Amen. So he's asking this question, God, God what, are you, what are you doing? And he stretched himself upon the uh, child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, I pray thee, let thy child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the Lord came unto him again, and he was revived. Listen, number one, I want you to realize, he heard the voice of Elijah. Who knows tonight that we have a God whose ears are not deafened, amen? His arms are not short, and he will hear the voice of the saints. Listen, if it wasn't for the cries of the children of Israel in bondage in Egypt, listen, they would have not heard their cries. But listen, the Bible says that he heard their cries. He came to a burning bush. He commissioned Moses to go back and to release his children out of bondage from Pharaoh. Listen, God hears our cries. God hears our petitions. God hears our requests. He hears our prayers. And here Elijah, it was noticeable that he said, he, the Lord heard Elijah. He heard the, Lord, uh, uh, the voice of Elijah. But not only that, the soul came back into him, and he was revived. This boy is dead. No breath. No breath. This boy is dead. He goes into the ladies house and he picks up the boy and he goes up to the room lays him on his bed and he begins to ask god and he begins to cry out to god god would you restore his soul god hears his voice god god honors his request and gives that soul back to the uh, to the little boy and he gives him life again and elijah took the child brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto the mother and elijah said see my son living it's kind of like it was like nonchalant like what's, what's wrong with him? Like he, like, like he took him up there into the room. Is like we come back down and he just kind of hinders like yeah he lives. He's cool. <laughs> he's good. He might have just been asleep. You know and so like Elijah he prayed to God and so he takes her son back into her and, and gives him to the mom now. We got we to gotta keep in mind. We got to stay on the story. We got to stay in the, in the scene there. So a mom just lost her son. A mom just lost her son. Her son was dead. And now her son's back alive again. And if you read in verse 24, And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this, listen, now by this, (laughs) I know that thou art a man of God, and thy word of the Lord is, thy mouth is true. Now by this, you may not have got me with the bread and the water, but you got me with that one. That's good. You, You do serve the living God. Your word is true. You are a man of God. Because let me tell you something, there's nobody that can revive anybody but our God. He's the only known. I shared with the children this morning in our devotion about Lazarus, amen? When Lazarus was in the tomb, he was in there four days. They said he stinketh. And I was telling the kids they stinketh. They're like, what? I said, he's been in there too long. And so when he got there, and we, I said, listen, I need you all to memorize the Scripture. I said, okay, John 11, 35, Jesus wept. They're like, oh, I got that one. And so we begin to talk about it when Jesus spoke forth into that tomb and said, come forth, he arose. But listen, the Bible says that he commanded the grave clothes and all the things around him to loose him. Death had a hold of him, amen? But when Jesus is around, God's around, death has no hold on us, amen? amen. And we go to verse chapter 18. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show thyself unto Ahab, and I will send rain upon the earth. And Elijah went to show himself unto Ahab, and there was a sore famine in Samaria. And Ahab called Obadiah, which was the governor of the house. Now Obadiah feared the Lord greatly. Obadiah. Now now we meet Obadiah. Obadiah names mean servant of Jehovah. All right, Obadiah was the chief. He was the governor in the house of the king Ahab. King Ahab was a wicked, 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 wicked king. The Bible says he had done the most wicked in the eyes of the Lord all the way up into that king. He had done worse than anybody else until he got to that point. Amen? And But then you got Ob- Obadiah, which means servant of the Lord, which is the governor of the house of the king. Listen, he feared the Lord greatly. So what do we see there? And let me tell you something. We also can take into uh, t- to account from this story is that God is always in control, amen? Listen, you've got King Ahab, wicked man, wicked man. We're gonna talk about his wife in just a second. Listen, w- wicked man. And then you got Obadiah, servant of Jehovah, sitting there in the house of the Lord. Now you think, do you think that it was by coincidence that this man was in the house of God? Because let me tell you something, let's talk about Jezebel. Jezebel, her name means ba- Baal exalts. Jezebel, Baal exalts. Jezebel, in 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 31, it says this, And it came to pass, as if it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. And he took a wife Jezebel and the daughter of uh, Ethbel, the king of Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. That's, that's Jezebel's father. Ethabal or Ethbel however you want to say it. Some people say it different ways but listen that was just so as a very young age this lady named Jezebel had the Baal worship instilled into her. This pagan false god was pushed onto her and now Jezebel comes and marries King Ahab king of Israel. Amen. So y'all follow me? And when she married King Ahab, Ahab was a weak man. When you take this woman who uh, who was bound down in Baal worship and false god and all this other stuff and you take a weak man she just ran over him. So what happened was she was taking that Baal worship and she was pushing it out in all the nation of Israel they were building temples and they were building things to worship Baal right and that's why God raised up Elijah at this point in time because Israel was turning away from God and they were turning towards Baal amen and listen he wanted this stuff to stop And Jezebel, and it goes on to say right here, and for it was so when Jezebel cut off the prophets of the Lord, this is verse 4, that Obadiah took a hundred prophets and hid them by 50 in a cave and fed them bread and water. Jezebel took the prophets of the Lord and started to try to kill them, and Obadiah took a hundred prophets, divided them up into caves, 50 and 50, and he fed them bread and water so they would live. Now, do you understand what would happen to Obadiah if Ahab or Jezebel found out that he was hiding the Lord's prophets over they had no mercy no mercy none they didn't care about God they didn't care about any of the holy worship that they did they wanted Baal and Baal only and Baal was a god of like the skies and 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 the wind and the rain and is also like a fertility god and that's what they worship it was a false pagan god we may not have Baal today, but we have things that are like Baal, amen. We have people worshiping all kind of crazy stuff and all kind of crazy things that are false, that are pagan, and they're no good. Right. So this same stuff that's going on today, it's, I mean, yet here is going on today. They're killing Christians left and right overseas. They're being persecuted for the name of Christ. So nothing's really changed. And so you read about Obadiah and, and Jezebel, so now that we've met them, and verse 5, and it says, And Ahab said unto Obadiah, Go into the land, unto the fountains of the water, and unto the brooks, preadventure, that we may find grass to save the horses, mules alive, that we lose not the beast. What he's saying is, Look, our cows and our oxen or whatever and our horses, they don't have nothing to eat or drink. Neither do we. So as a king and as the king's governor, It's time to load up and let's go find something. Let's go find some running water. Let's go find some pasture land. Let's go find all this stuff. So, boom, they get this plan devised, and the Bible says in verse 6, so they divided the land between them to pass throughout. Ahab went one way by himself, and Obadiah went another way by himself. In verse 7, and Obadiah was in the way, and behold, Elijah met him, and he knew him, and he fell on his face and said, Art thou thy Lord, Elijah? And he answered him, and I am. Go tell thy Lord. Behold, Elijah is here. Listen to, what, listen to what Obadiah says. And he said, What have I sinned that thou wouldest deliver me, thou servant unto the hand of Ahab, to slay me? Now we wonder why he asked that question, okay? We wonder why he's saying, Why, why, would, you, why would you send me back to Ahab to tell him you're here and he killed me? Why, why? But if we go to the next verse, it tells us why. As the Lord thy God liveth, there is no nation nor kingdom whether the Lord hath not sent to seek thee. And when they said, he is not here, he took an oath of the kingdom of the nation, and they found thee not. Listen, King Ahab put out a worldwide manhunt for Elijah. He went out looking everywhere for Elijah, and he took an oath saying, he's not here. He's not here. We can go on about our business. And now Obadiah is looking Elijah in the face. And Elijah's telling him, go tell your king that I'm here. And Obadiah's like, no, man. He it, No. No, he just said, he took an oath for all kings, all kingdoms, all nations that you're not here. And now I go tell him you're here, it's going to look like I've been trying to hide you. It's going like to look like I've set this thing up, you know. And so Obadiah's like, man, I'm not good. Because Obadiah, though he feared the Lord, he knew how wicked Ahab was. And he knew Ahab would kill him at the drop of the hat. He's like, there's no way I'm going back and tell that king. And so as we go on and read, it, it said uh, in verse 11, and now, this, and, uh, and, and now thou says, go tell the Lord, behold, Elijah is here. Listen, he even threw up some of his past. And it shall come to pass as soon as I'm gone uh, from thee that the spirit of the Lord shall carry thee wherever I know not. And when I come to tell Ahab, he cannot find thee, and thou shalt slay me, but thou servant, the Lord, from thy youth. He's like, look, Elijah, you just, you just pop up. Man, you, you're here, you're there, you're here, you're there. Man, you're. Just, you, we don't ever know where you are. And I run up there and tell Ahab, you're here, and we come back and the Spirit of the Lord just carried you off to some other nation of country or city. And then I look like an idiot, and I'm going to get killed. I mean, so so Obadiah is like trying to, trying to and, and I said it too early, but then right here it says, uh, Obadiah tried to go back to his past. Was it not told, uh, my Lord, what I did when Jezebel slew the prophets of the Lord? How I hid a hundred men and the Lord's prophets in 50, by 50 in a cave and fed them with bread and water? Obadiah was like, hey, do you not know what I did to the Lord's prophets? I mean, dude, we're cool, man. Well, don't, don't send me back to Obadiah. I'm not, I mean, don't send me back to Ahab. We're straight, man. It's going to work out. It's going to be cool. But listen to what Elijah says, man. This man, it, this man Elijah is a man of courage. Elijah is bold. He's unashamed. Man, I'm, like I said, he, he, he's, a, he's a champion. He ain't scared of nothing. And listen to what he tells Obadiah. And now thou sayest, go and tell the Lord, behold, Elijah's here, and he says, slay me. And Elijah said, as the Lord of hosts liveth, for whom I stand, I will surely show myself unto him today. And listen to the next verse. So Obadiah went to Ahab and told him. It's like, okay, all right. And Ahab went to meet Elijah. So it's like, man, finally Elijah said, I will see him today. Now. Obadiah's like, okay, this is serious. Obadiah goes and tells King Ahab, Elijah's here. Well, Ahab comes back to meet Elijah. This is where it starts getting good. Well, the whole thing's good, but this is intense. Verse 17, and it came to pass when Ahab saw Elijah, and Ahab said unto him, art thou He that troubles Israel. So Ahab, the first thing that happens, listen, the first thing that happens is Ahab sees Elijah and he said, hey, are you the one that's causing problems? In all reality, what it was is Elijah was causing King Ahab problems, amen, because Elijah was coming against his gods and his worships and his ways. And Elijah was the only one that threatened him. Why? Because he had the living God on his side, amen. So he was causing trouble for King Ahab because he knows what's fixing to happen. And so now he's causing all this trouble. But listen to what the Bible says. This is Elijah speaking. And he answered and he says, I have not troubled Israel but thou and thy father's house. He said, not only have you troubled Israel, you father, you, you, you've troubled my father's house in that you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and has followed Balaam. The number one commandment, there shall be no other gods before me. Thou shalt not worship graven images. And he is going against those commandments. And he is the leader. He is the chief. He is the king of Israel. And God, that is God's chosen people. And he is turning them away from the living God. Do you see it here? Listen, he's trying to turn the nation of Israel away from God. But let me tell you something, God always has his man. God always has his people in the right place. Somebody say amen. Amen. Listen, he raised up Elijah, amen. He had Obadiah in the governor's house, and God was working out this mighty plan, amen. God was not going to let the devil take over his nation, amen. God is greater than that. There's nothing too big for our God. There's nothing too big for our God that he can't use us to do something magnificent to bring glory to his holy name, amen. And so they listen, Ahab, I believe that Elijah troubled Ahab because Elijah had the living God on his side, not some phony baloney, fates, false God. Like Baal or Molech or Asherah or any other false gods there are out there. So it goes on to say, um, and now they will say, and Elijah said, all right, and now, and he said, answering, he said, and now therefore send and gather to me all of Israel unto Mount Carmel and the prophets of Baal 450 and the prophets of the groves 400 were set at Jezebel's table. And so Ahab went up to all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. So he said, look, go get all the children of Israel. Go get all the people of Israel. Go all the way up to Mount Carmel. Bring your 450 prophets of Baal. Bring your 400 prophets of Asherah. And I and my Lord are going to come and we're going to meet you there. I'll see you in a minute. Pretty much what Elijah said. That was the Andrew Johnson version. (laughs) They don't sell that book yet. (laughs) Verse 21. And Elijah came into the people and said, Listen to this. Listen to this. Just, just listen to this. How long will thou be between two opinions? Elijah stood before the children of Israel, all the people of Israel, that morning or that day on Mount Carmel. I know it was morning because they started at the morning sacrifice. He said, How long will thou be between two opinions? He said, How long will thou be between two opinions? And I want to ask you this How long will you stay between two opinions? Ask your family, ask your friends this, how long will you stay between two opinions? How long will it be that God is God, Jesus Christ is enough, he is our Lord and Savior, and it doesn't matter what else happens? Or how long will it be till we turn to that alcohol bottle, the pill bottle, the screen, or whatever it may be, and we allow that to be our God, which is a lousy, cheap, no good God? How long will it be till we say, Jesus Christ is enough, and he's all that I need, and I'm seeking after him with everything inside of me? How long will it be between two opinions? You've got to pick one or the other. you can't serve God and serve man at the same time. you got to serve one or the other, right? It's either the God or it's either the world. Yeah. How long will it be between two opinions? And Elijah is asking the children of Israel, he said, how long will it be, Brother Steve? How long will it be? How long will you stay in this valley of decision? Amen? And listen to what this says. The Bible says this. If the Lord be God, follow him, but if Baal, then follow him. And listen what the people answered not a word. They're starstruck. I see that a lot. Mm-hmm. mm know. know. You gotta know who your God is. You gotta know who your God is. You gotta know the kind of God that you serve, what He's capable of doing. You gotta know whether you love Him or not. The Bible says you've got to be unashamed. Unashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power unto salvation. For the Jew first and then to the Greek. Listen, you've got to know who your God is. When people ask you, you shouldn't have to hesitate. You should automatically know. You ought to be able to give an answer of the hope that lies within you. Always. Always. You may not be able to explain the whole entire Bible to them, and that's okay. But you ought to be able to tell them who Jesus Christ is and what He has done in your life. Amen? You ought to be excited about that. You ought to share your testimony. The Bible says in Revelation that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the words of our testimony. Listen, y'all heard it the other day. A testimony needs to be tested. And sometimes you're going to get tested. And sometimes people want to know who your Lord is, who your Savior is, who your God is. And you ought to be able to tell them quick in a hurry. So they answered him not a word. And then Elijah unto the people, I even only, remind, I, I even only. I remain a prophet to the Lord, but Baal's prophet are 450. You know what Elijah said right there? He said, listen, you can take 450 prophets of Baal, you can take the 400 prophets of the groves, you can take all these other people, but it's going to be m- me and my God. You know what he understood? He said, listen, he said, I understand a simple fact that when it's just me and the Lord that we are the majority over the whole entire world. Amen. So if the world comes against me and it's just me and Jesus and I am the majority, amen? No weapon formed against me shall prosper. If God be for you, who can be against you? Elijah understood that. He said, if it's just me and the Lord, you bring it on. Because we are the majority, my friends. We have the conquering force. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let them therefore give us two bullocks, and let them choose one bullock for themselves, and cut it into pieces, and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under. It. And he will dress the other bullock and lay it on the wood, and put no fire under. It. And you call upon the name of your gods, and I will call upon the name of the Lord, and the, and the, and the God that answered by fire. Let him be God. And the, and the people answered and said, "We well, as well spoken." They heard him and said, "Game on, let's go." Elijah, let like, you go first. Come on, you go first. You pick your bull. You come on, you're first. All right, here's the showdown, y'all ready? Verse 25, And Elijah said unto the prophets of Baal, Choose you one bully for yourselves, and dress it, uh, dress it first. And for ye are many, and call upon the name of your gods, and put no fire under it. And they took the bully, which was given to them, and addressed it. And they called the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, O Baal, hear us. From morning, so they started at the morning sacrifice and they went all the way to noon and they're crying out, Baal, 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 would you hear us? Would you hear us? Would you hear us? But listen what the Bible says right here. For there was no voice, nor any that answered, for they leaped upon the altar which was made. So they're crying out from morning unto noon the morning sacrifice to noon and then they're crying out with this loud voice to their God over and over and over again and man I'm telling you I'm so glad the writer of this right here wrote this verse down I love it I love it and listen to what Elijah did and it came to pass at noon and Elijah mocked them and said cry aloud for he is God for he is a God either he is talking or he is pursuing or he's on a journey or he's pre-adventure or he sleepeth or he must be awake you know what he's doing he's sitting over here like this leaning against the tree, and he's looking at those prophets of Baal, and he's sitting there going, you might want to cry a little louder, he might be somewhere else, or yet yeah, better yet, he might be talking to someone else, he might not be able to hear you, he might be on a vacation, or he's on a journey, he's on a distance far away, or maybe, yeah, maybe you know what, he might be asleep, he might be asleep, he needs to be awakened, uh, so he's sitting over there looking at him, and he's mocking him, and I can see the smirk on his grin, light, these idiots, these idiots. They're crying out to nobody. They're crying out to the air. And let me tell you something. The Bible says we know that our God will never leave us and never forsake us. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. He never goes on vacation. He never clocks in. He never clocks out. He never does any of that. Listen, He is always there. He's our ever-present help in time of need. He is seated boldly on the throne right now in the throne room with the Jesus Christ, His Son Look, sitting right beside Him on the right hand side and His Holy Spirit in my heart right now. Amen. So He is Never, ever, ever, ever going to leave us nor forsake us. Be strong and of good courage, for the Lord thy God goes with thee. He will never fail thee, he will never leave thee, and he will never forsake thee. Listen, we don't have to worry about our God. We call upon our God and we get this crony voicemail saying, Oh, I'm sorry, God's on vacation. He'll be back next time, check in when he's in the office or get something. No, our God doesn't do that. He's always there. He's waiting and he's listening for the cries of the saints, those odors to come up in those vials into the holy room and listen in the throne room. And he wants to hear our prayers, he wants to hear our petitions. Listen, Jesus Christ is in the throne room making requests on your behalf to a holy, living God. God, is anybody with me tonight? That ought to make you excited that we ain't got to worry about our God not ever, not ever not being there. Amen? I love that, man. I love that. Thank you, Lord, for putting that in the Scripture for me. And they cried aloud, and they cut themselves. After the manner with the knives and the lancets and the blood gushed out upon them. Listen, listen. In Hebrews, or in Leviticus chapter 17, the Bible says, the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given you the blood for an atonement. As I read my Bible, I never read where God says, I want your blood. Listen, in the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve sinned, he, he sacrificed that animal, and he took that coat, and he clothed their shame, and listen to the tabernacle, that spotless, that blemished, uh, spotless, uh, innocent lamb that they would take, and they would cut his throat, and that blood would pour out, and they would throw it onto the mercy seat, or they throw it onto that brazen altar. It was always the blood of the innocent animals You got into the temple. It was over and over and over again. They sacrificed those innocent animals. Why? Because God says, I don't want your blood. I will provide a propitiatory atonement for you. I will provide the sacrifice for you. When Abraham was on the mount and he had the knife drawn up and he was about to slay Isaac, guess what? There was a ram in the thicket because God was not going to let Abraham slay his own son. He He said, I will provide. I will provide a sacrifice. And then we get over into the gospels. Oh, the greatest love story has ever been written. We read about a man named Jesus that came forth walked around this earth in the flesh. We beheld His glory. He taught. He lived. He pointed to Christ. He pointed to God. But listen, it came a point in His time. It came a point in His time where He willingly got on that cursed tree. He willingly climbed up on that cursed tree. He became a curse. He became a sin. A man who knew no sin became sin. For who? For you and I. Because listen, we needed atonement. We needed atonement. We need the forgiveness of our sins and God has never required our blood. Are you thankful that, for that tonight, church? Are you thankful? He said, I, Craig, I want your blood. Or, or Brother Evan, I want your blood. Jack, I want your blood. No, he said, I will provide the sacrifice. He's always gave a sacrifice. Some, Amen. Man, that's good. Amen. Woo! Amen. From the very beginning of time, he's never said, I want your blood. He said, I will give my blood. He said, for the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you for the atonement of your sin. Yeah. You want to under- understand why I love Leviticus so much? Because you see how gracious and mercy and love in our God is. And he poured out the blood and it gushed out upon them and it came to pass and the midday was past, and they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening. So man, they started in the morning, went to noon and now they're at the evening sacrifice all day long. There was neither no voice nor any answer that, or any that regarded all day long and no one heard their cries. That's sad. That's sad. Because we have people today crying out to people. And he's not a living God. They're crying out to their little gods or whoever they worship and whatever right there and they're never going to get an answer. They're never going to get any peace. They're never going to get any comfort. They're never going to get any that stuff that God promises through his son, Jesus Christ. And Elijah said unto all the people, come near unto me. This is verse 30. He said, come near to me. And the people came near unto him. He was repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken. He said, hey, y'all come in. Come on, y'all, watch this. Y'all come in. And Elijah took the 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the son of Jacob, whom in the word of the Lord uh, came, saying, Israel shall be thy name. And with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench about the altar that was great as would contain a measure of seed, two measures of seed. And he put the wood in order, and he put the bullock in pieces, and he laid it on the wood and said, Fill four barrels of water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice. Time out. Time out. We're in a drought. We're in a serious drought, not here in the Bible. We are here too, but we're talking about the Bible right now. He said, hey, go get four barrels of water and dump them on this. I don't know about y'all, but I've tried to light a wet log before, and it didn't work. I had no such luck. And so Elijah's like, you know what? I know who my God is. I know he likes to do exceedingly abundantly above, which we may ask or think about according to the power that worketh in us." Listen, there's nothing too big for my God. Nothing too big for my God. Then he goes on, he said, well, not four barrels. He said, do it a, he said, and he said, do it a second time. then he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time, 12 barrels of water. We're in a drought, a drought. And Elijah tells them to jump the barrels of water onto the fire, onto the wood, onto the stones. And the Bible says this right here, and the water ran about the altar and he filled the trench also with water. So you got this fire, this, I mean, you got this altar with a uh, sacrifice on it and then you got a lake around it. And so now he's fixing to do this, and he says in verse 36, he said, it came to pass, that at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice then Elijah the prophet came near, and the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that thou art the God in Israel, and that thou have, thy am thy servant, and that thy... And that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that the people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up all the water that was in the trench. I'm telling you, there ain't no fire I've ever seen other than the fire of the Lord lick up water. Listen, listen, you use water to put out fire. Ask me how I know I did it for many years. God uses fire to put out water. That's the kind of God we serve, amen? Listen, that's the kind of God we serve. And listen, it took up all the water out of the trench. And listen what happens. It says, and when the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And Elijah said unto them, take the prophets of Baal, let none of them escape. And they took them and Elijah, brought them down to the brook Kishon and slew them there. They fell on their face. They saw this miracle. They fell on their face. They started saying, he is Lord. He is God. And then Elijah got the prophets, took him down to Kishon. He killed them. It goes on right here. And Elijah said unto Ahab, verse 41, I'm sorry. And Elijah said unto Ahab, get thee up, eat and drink, for there is a the sound of abundance of rain. Y'all remember Elijah prayed for a drought, right? All right. So Ahab went up and eat and drink, And Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. And he said, to, and he cast himself down upon the earth and put his face between his knees. That means he was praying. He's praying for God to bring the rain. He's praying for God to bring the rain back to Israel. And listen to what happened. We go on and read and it says, and he... And, 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 and said to his servant, go up now, look towards the sea. And he went up and looked, and seven, there's nothing. And he said, go up seven times. Boom, there it is, seven. The perfect number. We always see seven when we're talking about our Lord and our God, right? We just talked about the throne room with Jesus, uh, the the root of David, the lion of the tribe of Judah, who stood there as a lamb as though he had been slain, with seven horns, seven eyes, and seven spirits. He is omnipotent, um, uh, omnipresent, and uh, uh, he's all-powerful. Amen. And so when we talk about seven, we can relate it to our God and our Lord. He said, do it seven times. And the Bible says this right here. And it came to pass the seven time. He said, behold, there arises a little cloud out of the sea. Wait a minute. It wasn't good enough for a little cloud like a man's hand. Man, God was all over this story. God was all over Elijah. I'm telling you, man, he was a mighty prophet of God. And here comes this this hand rising up out of the sea. And it says, Go and say unto Ahab, Prepare thy chariot and get thee down that thy rain not stop thee. And it came to pass in the meanwhile that the heavens was black with clouds and the wind and there was a great rain and Ahab rode and he went to Jezreel. And listen, And the hand of the Lord was on Elijah and he girded up his loins and ran before Ahab the entrance of Jezreel. I don't know if y'all caught that, but listen, he told Ahab to get off the mountain with the horses and chariots. Elijah girded his loins the hand of the Lord, and he beat the chariots and the horses back to Jezreel. Did y'all catch that? I don't know about you. That's supernatural. This dude is running fast. If you beat the horses and the chariot, you're running fast. But the Bible says the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. So we know that it wasn't Elijah. It was God that got him there that quick. And so can you imagine what is King Ahab going to do? He's going back to his his so-called Queen Jezebel, the wicked woman who, who brought Baal into Israel. And he's going to run back to her and tell her all about what Elijah did. Tell her all about these prophets that are dead. Tell her all about how all these things happened. And she is going to be enraged and furious. Yeah. Chapter 19, and Ahab told Jezebel, look at that. And all Elijah had done. And with all how he said, he slain the prophets within the sword. First thing he did, he probably, man, he probably didn't, he, first thing he did, went straight to her and said, you won't believe this. You won't believe this. She's probably like, yes. Tell me, tell me all about Elijah's death. Tell me, all about the, tell me all about Elijah's death. Where's he at? Where's his body? How'd you kill him? He's like, oh no, sweetie. Oh, sweet. Mm-mm, no. No. Our prophets are dead. And you can just see the horns come out. And you can see the flame and rage. You, I mean, you could just see it. And listen, Jezebel sent a message unto Elijah. So let the gods do to me, and the more also, If I make thee not thy life, life is one of them by tomorrow, about this time. She sent a death message, a death threat to Elijah. (sighs) And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left him there. Wait a minute. Elijah got a death threat. And now he's running for his life. Running for his life. Listen right here. I want you to pay close attention to this. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. Do you notice he said he left his servant? Most people like that didn't leave their servants. Unless they were going out to pray or had some other thing in mind. But we know that he was, had something else on his mind. So said he went a day's journey into the wilderness and he came and sat down up under a tree, juniper tree and he requested himself that he might die and said, it is enough. Now, O oh Lord, take my life. I'm not better than my fathers. Time out. Do you mean this is the Elijah who was fed by the ravens by morning and evening? Do you mean this is Elijah who stood toe-to-toe with King Ahab? The same Elijah who called down a life into a young boy who was sustained by bread and water and Zarephath by a widow woman? You mean Elijah, listen, who went in to, to take on 450 prophets of Baal and he slayed them all? That Elijah? You you mean the Elijah that never died, that was called up into heaven? The Elijah who stood on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus and Moses? You mean the Elijah who they thought Jesus was crying out to when he was on the cross? That Elijah? That Elijah, the mighty prophet of God, the man who said, "You know what? Uh, whose name, who means My God, is Jehovah." That Elijah is sitting under a juniper tree, wanting to die. And listen to me closely. We have this thought in our mind that these people in the Bible are these superhuman people who don't deal with any afflictions or any pain. Amen. Listen, if the Bible says in Hebrews chapter four, verse sixteen, "For we have not a high priest who cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin." You know who that's talking about? That's talking about jesus christ listen he dealt with the pain and the afflictions and the hurt and the agony that we deal with on a day-to-day basis and now we read about elijah and such discouragement and such despair he's saying it is enough god i'm tired i don't want to go no further would you please kill me now would you please kill me now those are some mighty words to say After all that God had provided for Elijah, after all that God had done in Elijah's life, after all that God had used Elijah for, now he's sitting under a tree and wanting to die. Listen, I said it in the beginning of the message, none of us, none of us are exempt from discouragement. None of us are exempt from discouragement. We read about this mighty man of God who's wanting to die, and listen. As he slept under Jennifer, verse five, as he slept under Juniper tree, behold, an angel touched him and said, "Arise and eat." And he looked, and behold, there a cake was baking on the coals, and a cruse of water on his head. And he did eat and drink, and laid him down again. Listen, God was telling him, Elijah, "I'm still your God." <laughs> Elijah, do you remember when you went to Zarephath, and I told you there'd be a woman there to sustain you? You remember the bread and the water? I'm still your God, and I know that sometimes that you need to be reminded that I'm still your God. Sometimes we, in this when this lifestyle, and these struggles, and these trials, and these temptations, we need a reminder that God is still our God. And he gave him that subtle reminder. He said, Elijah, I'm still your God. I'm still sustaining you. I'm still here with you, God. I'm, I'm st- Elijah, I love you. Don't think those thoughts. He said, I haven't go nowhere. A mighty man of God was having to be reminded that he was still a man of God. God, would you help us... T- and listen, he gave him that bread and that water, and, and you know, and I can't help but think about Elijah when he saw that maybe he went back to that, when he, when that lady brought him that, when he was hungry. He was hungry. There was nothing to eat or nothing to drink and that lady brought him that cruise of water and that, and that meal, and, and, he, and he sat down with that lady, and he, and he sat down with her son and maybe some, some neighbors, and they, and they feasted on that bread, and they feasted on that water, and I, I can't help but think of maybe how he went back to that time in his life and how God was sustaining him, and how God was filling him with so much joy, and how God was working in his life at that point in time and now here he is in such despair and as we go on and read it says the angel of the Lord came the second time and touched him and he says arise and eat because the journey is too great for you Listen, I want to tell you right now, when I, when I read about this angel of the Lord, I truly believe that this is a Christophany. I believe that this is an Old Testament appearance of Christ. You may not believe that, but I'm not going to be dogmatic about it, but you can go back and study the angel of the Lord, and you can see how that relates to that. But either way, listen, somebody was there tapping on him and telling him the journey is too great for you. Yeah. Maybe Elijah was trying to do it on his own. Maybe Elijah may not have the expectations of what he thought God was going to do. Because if you notice, Jezebel and King Ahab was not dead. Maybe he was discouraged. Maybe those people, after they said, the Lord, he is God, they went away, back into their lifestyle. I don't know, but there was something that discouraged Elijah. It may have been his lifestyle. maybe been something that was said. I don't know. We know that it was Jezebel sitting in a death threat. All these things added up, and now he's sitting under a tree, and I believe that was Jesus Christ tapping him and said, Arise, eat, the journey is too great for thee. See, God knew he needed physical strength, so he let him rest. Amen. We should rest. God knew he needed physical nourishment, so he gave Him bread and water. But you know, the Bible that I read, Jesus stands up and he tells the disciple, he said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth in me shall never thirst. He told the woman at the well is sitting there and he told her, he said, if you drink of this water, you'll thirst again. But if you drink of the water that I give you, you'll never thirst again. It shall come forth inside of you, springing up into everlasting life. He's telling Elijah, you need me. You need me. You cannot do this on your own. You're a great and mighty man, but you cannot do this on your own. Listen, one of the lowest points in my ministry was the morning after I preached at Garndale First Baptist Church in Awesome August. I was in such a low, I could not even go to work because all I could do was cry. I don't know why. I have no idea this day. But I was just in such, I don't know what happened. But I was up here that night. That next morning, it's like I said, bam, I crashed. Yep. And I needed Jesus at that moment. Listen, y'all look at me like I'm crazy. Y'all look at me like y'all don't have any discouragement in your life. Here Elijah is in great discouragement, in so much pain and so much agony that he's wanting to take his own life. I don't know where you are tonight in your walk with the Lord. I don't know what you're dealing with personally, but I know a God who does know what you're dealing with, and I'm not afraid to say this tonight. There may be someone at the sound of my voice has dealt with and flirted with the temptations of taking your own life. Or maybe somebody listened to me on the Internet. It's real. I don't know if you know this two weeks ago. uh, a, a man that did it, uh, stuff for us, great uh, Greg Laurie, we watched his uh, uh, evangelistic uh, videos the deacons and the pastor did, but i 'm not sure if you know this. Two weeks ago, his associate pastor took his life. Good looking man, had a beautiful wife, had a kid. Ministry was flourishing. Listen, he created an organization. He had a foundation and an organization for people who want to commit suicide and who are dealing with depression. Yep. he 's gone do not think that you're exempt from discouragement do not think that you are an exempt from any of those things that our fleshly stuff can bring our fleshly lives can bring up and he arose and did eat and drink and he went and the strength of the meat for 40 days and nights in the Mount Horeb, mount of God. That's Mount Sinai. We know about Mount Sinai. Moses got the Ten Commandments there. Moses met God there. And listen, God wanted to speak to Elijah. God was not done with Elijah. He had to anoint the prophets. He had to anoint Elijah, which was going to be after him. And he was going to anoint the kings. And so he wasn't done. He wasn't done with Elijah. And God, listen to me. And God wasn't done with Elijah. And he didn't hear him in the earthquake. He didn't hear him in the mighty wind. He didn't even hear him in the fire, but he heard him in the small still voice. And listen, this is what I want to close with tonight. In Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1, it's going to be on the screen. You don't have to turn there if you don't want to, but I want to close with this tonight. Andrew, you can go ahead and come up here. Listen, this is what I want to close with tonight. In Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 and 2. It says, "Wherefore." That's the same as therefore. We're reading what this is there for. And if you notice that Hebrews chapter 12 comes after Hebrews chapter 11, which is the hall of faith, which all the people who live by faith, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, and uh, 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 Rahab, and all those had their names mentioned in this chapter. Right? Right? And they're talking about by faith and by faith and by faith. So the writer of Hebrews here in chapter 12, which I believe was Paul, was saying, wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with such a great cloud of witness. You know what that word witness means? It means spectators. It's like Paul was saying this. He said, you have spectators that are encouraging you. You have spectators like Elijah, like Abraham, like Noah, like Isaiah, and all these people that are gone before you. They're up there encouraging you. They're cheering you on but listen to what it says let us lay aside every weight and sin which so do easily beset us listen I, I, know, I don't know about you but we walk around with a lot of baggage we walk, look, at, look up here everybody look at me we walk around with a lot of baggage we walk around with things that we don't need in our life some things that we can do away with things that we don't need no more and we walk around with them day after day after day and we don't give them to the Lord. And we try to carry those things and we begin to get beat down. We begin to get uh, worried and we begin to get anxious and stressful because we have all this weight on top of us. We need to give it to God. The Bible says that lay aside every sin which so do easily besets us. Maybe some of you tonight not have sin that you have not dealt with in your life. Maybe you have something that's in your life that's hindering you, hinders God uh, from moving in your life. I don't know. But listen, it says, let us run with patience the races that are set before us. You notice he said, let us run the race. Paul did not say, let us run the sprint. You don't run a sprint with patience, you run a sprint like a crazy, wild maniac. Listen, so many people get saved, and they get on fire for God, and they, they get excited, and they hit the ground, wham! They hit the ground running, and they never slow down to listen to God. They never never get discipled, they never fellowship, they never read the Bible. Within six months to a year, they're burned out, they're fizzled out, and they kind of fade away because they went running so fast, and they didn't take time to grow or do anything like that. Paul said, run the race with patience that is set before us. We have a race of life that is set before us. Paul said, henceforth there's a crown of righteousness laid up for us. Amen. He said, I have kept the faith, I have finished the course, and I have fought the good fight. Paul was writing that right before he was killed. We're running a race in life. There's going to be detours. There's going to be distractions. There's going to be discouragement. There's going to be death. There's going to be heartaches, financial, marital, sicknesses. There's going to be all kinds of things that we deal with on a daily basis throughout this race. Verse 2 says, looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. Look unto Jesus. Notice it don't say look at Jesus. It says look unto Jesus. You know what that means? It means turn your gaze. Turn your fixation. turn, Turn your concentration unto Jesus. It makes me think about this song. Turn. Your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. Listen to these words, church. Then the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Jesus is saying, turn unto me, the author, And the finisher of your faith. Listen, when you come down to this altar and you cry out to Jesus and you ask him to come save you, you know who it is there, right there? It's Jesus right there that saves you. How do you know? Because the Bible says that he's drawing. No man coming to the Father. I'm the way, the truth, and the life but me. And it's Jesus. As soon as you make that commitment of faith and as soon as you say, God, would you save me? It is Jesus that is there. But listen, the writer goes on to say he is the finisher of our faith. Oh man, listen to me. There's coming a day. There's coming a day that we will step into glory and there he will be, our Jesus. And our faith will be no more. It'll be sight. And we'll hear those words that we've always longed to hear. Well done, my faithful, good and faithful servant. There'll be no more need for faith, amen. Oh, it'll be all sight because we'll be face to face with Jesus, amen. As Bart Miller saying, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. This is the author and finisher of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. And I'm about to finish. He said, to the joy that was set before him endured the cross do you know Jesus didn't have to endure anything Jesus didn't owe us anything But when I read he endured the cross and I see the word cross written right there, I think about the scourging. I think about when he took that whip and pulled the skin off of his back. I think when they plucked his beard out, they spit on him, they beat him with a reed. I think about when they cast lots at the crown, at the foot of the cross. I think about when they put that vinegar on his lips. I think about when he was so feeble and so weak because of his fluids were leaking out that they had to get another man to carry the cross. That's what I think about when I said he endured the cross. Is anybody with me tonight but there was joy that was set before him there was you and I and the rest of the world that was on his mind it says despising the shame that word despising means thinking nothing of Jesus looked at that shame he looked at that guilt He looked at that discouragement. He looked at that depression. He looked at that divorce. He looked at all that wickedness and lustful lifestyle. He looked at all those things of the flesh. He said, you are nothing compared to the joy that will come from what I'm going to do. He said, you are nothing. You're weak compared to the joy. But listen. We read on, the writer goes on and finishes the story. He said he endured the cross. Listen, he despised his shame. And here it is. And he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. If those bones were still in that tomb, we'd have no hope. We'd have no joy. But when they came there, they said, He is not here, he is risen. I don't know where you are tonight. But I can guarantee you that many of us in here need hope. And the Bible says the joy that was set before him. Can you imagine when he ascended into heaven? He even said, God, I want to come back to be with you. I want it to be like it was before I even came here. He wanted to go home too. And when he entered into heaven, the joy was unspeakable joy. I can't explain it to you but can I tell you tonight that that joy is available to us? Where does our help from? We look to the hills. Where does our help come from? Help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He's our ever-present help in time of need. He's a joy that's unspeakable. He's a Listen, he, he, he He's a peace that surpasses all understanding. And you may have some discouragement in your life. You may have some depression in your life or some anxiety in your life or something that you're dealing with tonight. And let me tell you something. He wants to give you joy, but you've got to give Him that problem. I can't do it for you. I can't. And just like Elijah... He needed a reminder that he was still a man of God, and that God was still in charge and God was still with him. Maybe tonight this is your reminder, friends, that God is still your God, that God is still in control. I don't know if it's a sickness in your family. I don't know if it's a financial crisis in your family, a marital problem. I don't know if you've got a wayward child. I don't know if you're dealing with something that you don't want to share with nobody else, but let me tell you something God is still on the throne. And here's that general reminder. Would you let them minister to you tonight? Would you, church? Would you let them speak to you tonight? Arise. Get up. For the journey is too great for thee. Have you ever said, it is enough? Have you ever looked at God and said, God, I can't take no more. It is enough. I've had all I can take. Maybe that's you tonight. The journey's too great for you. I want to remind you, that Jesus is still alive and he will minister to you tonight. Last thing, if you want that joy and that peace that he so offers, you've got to be a child of God and the only way that you can do that is cry out to him. All who Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You cry out to him, ask ask him to save you. Turn from your sins and he'll save you. Stand with us. God, we just come to you tonight. God, I love you. I thank you.